0: Good morning, Garden City. I can see that you guys are feeling friendly this morning. Hey, welcome. Uh, My name is Brian. It's my privilege to serve here alongside uh, Pastor Coach Kemp and uh, the team. Thanks for being here with us this morning. Hey, just want to make a couple uh, invitations for you. The first is this. I'm uh, representing my Garden City kids shirt. We've got right now a whole bunch of kids downstairs hanging out. And those kids love adults. I don't know if you knew that. They actually love you, and they would love to spend time with you. So if you're interested in serving with our kids ministry, love to talk to you in the back. Tim, why don't you wave your hand? Hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. There's Tim right there. You can talk to Tim at any point. Go go to the back table. You can sign up online to, to express interest in that, and we'd love to send you some more information on serving with kids here downstairs. 9 and 10:40, we've got two services for you. The next thing is this: uh, we're doing a, a men's event this Thursday. It's dinner. 6.30 p.m. at Porchlight Coffee in South Akron. So guys, if you've got nothing going on this Thursday, or even if you do, cancel your plans. We're going to do dinner, hang out, and uh, you can sign up in the back. Also sign up online. And um, if you have any questions about that, again, just go to the back table and um, whoever's back there will answer your questions if you got them. So men's ministry, really cool and excited about some more men's things that are going to be going on in the in the future coming up. Okay, so it is Baby Dedication Sunday, which is actually kind of really also parent dedication. Um, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite up some friends here, and they're very cute friends. Uh, We're going to invite up Isla Orlando. Isla, come on up. Uh, Danny and Kelly are the parents of Isla, and then also uh, Dylan and Lauren Thompson, come on down, and they're going to be bringing Milo. So come on down front, guys. As they make their way. You know, um, we talk about this quite a bit here. How God is a good gift giver. Not only does he give good gifts, but he gives gifts often and regularly. And uh, these guys who are coming down are holding one of the greatest gifts. Like outside of God giving us himself in Jesus. In his very presence. and the gift of forgiveness. The washing away of sins. Like I don't know that there's any gift in the world that's better than a baby Uh, this is top-notch kemp get up here come on get up here grab your microphone um and so anytime you're given a good gift like if you're 16 years old i don't think this happened to anybody in the room if it did you're blessed right but if you're if you turn 16 and and papa kemp hands you the keys to a lamborghini right which would be fantastic thanks dad right with that gift would come a lot of responsibility because you just don't, you don't mess around with a Lamborghini. It takes care, it takes attention, and you gotta, you got to steward that well. The greater the gift, the higher the call of stewardship. So these guys right here have been given the greatest gift. And with that comes the greatest call for stewardship. right? So here's uh, what we're going to do. Um, we're going to pray for, for these parents and for these babies. Kemp's going to do that. And, uh, but before we do that, um, we wanna make sure that our parents here recognize the value and the weightiness of the gift. And so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna turn my back to y'all for just a second. Is that okay? Got some questions uh, of intent here for you guys, uh, as parents, for Danny and Kelly, and for Dylan and Lauren. And, uh, this is kind of like in your wedding ceremony. If you agree, just say, I do, okay? Question number one. Do you, as parents, recognize that your child is a gift of God, and do you give heartfelt thanks for God's blessing? Do you pledge, as parents, that you will bring up your child in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? And do you promise to give your child every possible benefit, as far as it depends on you, of home, of education, and of the church? Amen. All right, Pastor Coach, you got your mic. All right, won't you guys come on in? Kemp's gonna want to touch (laughs) you, or at least be close to you.
1: I know you. All right, if you don't mind me touching you, amen. Let's come on together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for what this represents, Lord God. And first of all, we thank you for the parents. Well, Father God, we pray that you continue to give them the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that they need according to the gift that you have given them, and how to, man, um, tend to this gift, shepherd this gift, and how to nourish this gift, Lord. We pray, Father God, your perpetual blessing upon them. Uh, there is not going to always be the easy times, but there's going to be times, Father God, when you pull them away into their secret places to where, Father God, you will have a specific word for them in regards to the gift of a child that you have given unto them. We pray for these marriages, Lord God, that you fortify them by your blood, that, Lord God, we just plead the blood of Jesus over this entire family for protection. And we thank you, Lord God, for what you are doing. So we can pray, Father God, your continual increase and your blessing, your perpetual blessing upon this family, the blessing that not only exists from this child, but from the children's children that they will always know the name of Jesus. And we pray these things now in his name. And we all said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Okay, now before you guys sit down, we got one more question,
0: because these guys are taken care of. Okay. Now we got a question for y'all. Mm. You guys ready for this? Because these babies are not just their responsibility. You've got some responsibility as well. Amen. So a question of intent, and if you agree to this, say we will. And if you don't, the ushers will find you. Yes. Will you, living members of Garden City Church, be faithful to support Danny and Kelly, Dylan and Lauren in their call to raise and steward Isla and Milo? And will you come alongside them and join them in this great endeavor as the Lord gives you opportunity? Amen. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you much. God bless you. So it's Baby Dedication Sunday, I love it. We've got five more at the 1040 service, and uh, as a pastor, I'm always growing and I'm always learning. So last year, when we did Baby Dedications, uh, we did a different topic for the sermon, and I uh, preached at the parents for about 10 to 12 minutes, with moms holding babies and dads up there and everybody watching, and after that Sunday was finished, I got chastised, by my wife and by my sister-in-law, by several other moms who we were like, I can't believe you made them hold their babies that long. And I felt terrible. So uh, what I realized I needed to do this year is to not preach at the parents while they are up here, but to allow them to sit down and take care of their children, right? I'm, I'm always learning and growing. And uh, so I, I, I wanted to talk about um, parents and kids and family. and like, So that was going through my brain. Over the last couple of weeks, and it's actually kind of turned into a mini-series. You'll notice that we don't have a, ser- a sermon title for this because it's like it's been growing and morphing. What was just going to be a one-off week has actually turned into something a little bit more. Uh, but we're going to talk about we're going to talk about kids this morning. We're going to talk about marriage and parents. We're going to talk about a lot of things, I think, in the next couple of weeks. But it's um, it's emerging right now. I feel like the Lord is downloading it on me. And uh, if you are ready. Um, we talked about these special gifts that God gives. Um, We're going to talk this morning about how we as people, as a church, as a body, can better steward these little gifts that God has given us. And we're going to go in a direction that I don't think you think we're going to go. Like, you know, at some point here, maybe the first seven minutes, you might give me a quizzical look like, wait a second, I thought, is this baby dedication Sunday? And there shouldn't, this is going in a different direction than I thought. We're, we're going to go in a direction that I... it just this thing we're going to talk about this morning leapt out at me from the scriptures and I couldn't deny it. And I think if we can actually lean into this and get past what you think I should say on parent dedication, baby dedication Sunday, I think there might be some really good things in here for us if we're willing to allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts. So are we ready to go? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to look, there's a pattern in the scriptures regarding kids and babies that I think is unmistakable. And 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 I'm going to show us that pattern in three different places. First place is this, Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I will read for you. And uh, here we are, Exodus chapter 1, starting in verse Eight. This is when uh, the Hebrews, God's people, uh, are in Egypt. They're not yet slaves. That drama has not yet unfolded, but we're on the cusp of it. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, call him Pharaoh, who did not know Joseph. And he, Pharaoh, said to his people, Behold, fellow Egyptians, the people of Israel are too many, And too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Okay, so right here, Pharaoh is clearly in a posture of fear, he's afraid. He's afraid that the Hebrews who are multiplying and growing, they're getting more and more populated in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh is afraid that the the Hebrews will get to the place where they will be able to hurt and injure him and his fellow Egyptians. Oh no, if they keep growing, they're gonna come after us. He's afraid. And what many of us, most of us do, most all of the time, when we get afraid that someone is going to injure us, what our first inclination is, is to self protect. I have to protect myself from the threat. And Pharaoh is choosing to believe that the Israelites are a threat. They're not, right? Because God has a land for them, it's not Egypt, it's somewhere else. Pharaoh is choosing to believe that they're going to hurt him, and so Pharaoh wants to self protect himself and self protect the Egyptians. Because, right, this is why we self protect because God isn't going to protect us. God doesn't have the power, nor the attention, nor the awareness to step in on our behalf and protect us, so we're going to have to protect ourselves. That's, That's typically a first response. It's going to be first response here for Pharaoh. But here's the second thing. Not only is Pharaoh self-protecting against what he thinks is a threat in the Hebrews, Pharaoh also has a desire to self-promote. Because he's afraid if the Hebrews grow too numerous, that the Egyptians who were the dominant power of the day in that land, and the Hebrews are subservient to them, if the Hebrews grow and become dominant in you know beat them and do violence on them that the hebrews are going to become the prominent dominant people in the ancient near east and so right when we fear that we're going to lose position or lose face or lose whatever right our first response is that we need to promote ourselves Right? Because God isn't going to promote us. God isn't going to make a way for us that takes care of our dignity and our honor and our esteem. God doesn't want to do that, so we've got to do that for ourselves. Pharaoh is afraid, and in his fear, he's going to self-protect, one, and he's going to self-promote, um, number two. And then here's how he chooses to do that. Pharaoh finds the midwives of the Hebrew women, and he says this. Quote, when you, Egyptian midwives, serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. Fear always acts to self-protect, self-promote. And here, violence is how the self-protection and self-promotion gets played out. And violence, I want to argue this morning, is regularly, I want to use the word always, but I don't want to be like totalitarian here in my philosophy or in theology, right? But when we self-protect and self-promote, as Pharaoh is doing here, violence is regularly what we do with our fear. And here in Exodus chapter 1, who is taking the brunt of the violence? Babies kids, midwives. When the babies are born, kill them. That's our strategy for protecting ourselves and promoting ourselves. Way to go, Pharaoh. Great plan, buddy. You're on to something here. No, he's not. Now, lest you think this is just a historical anomaly, let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, we pick up here, the wise men, the magi from the east have come because they know that the king has been born in the land of the Jews. They go to Jerusalem to inquire as to his whereabouts, and they go and they find Herod, or actually Herod finds them because Herod, who is the regional king on behalf of Rome, hears the news. So Herod, right? Here we go. This is the Magi coming to Jerusalem. The Magi ask this question in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. They say, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Okay, watch out now. Herod is troubled. Troubled what do we do when we get troubled? Well, we often do things. What do we do? We often self-protect when we're troubled, or we self-promote. Verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And He sent them to Bethlehem saying, go, wise men, and search diligently diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Lights, camera, action. Herod's on the move here, right? The script is flowing and Herod is trying to direct as much of it as he can in his desire to self-protect and self Promote. In verse 16, we read this. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, the wise men were warned, no, Herod's not up to good here. The angels direct the wise men to go back home, not through Jerusalem. Don't tell Herod anything. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And here's what he did. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under. All those little gifts according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. So Herod sees the need to protect himself from King Jesus, who's a baby, And Herod sees the need to promote himself instead of King Jesus. And in Herod's desire to self-protect and self-promote, violence is the result, as it usually is. And here again, as in Exodus chapter 1, babies and kids are the ones who are taking the full-on onslaught of this violence. Because, right, we as adults have a measure of ability to protect ourselves. Kids and babies have zero. They are dependent people. They are gifts, but they need protected, and they need a whole lot of things. When violence is being distributed, babies and kids tend to get the full-on brunt of it. It's the first two places in the scriptures I want to show you, and we're going to get to number three in just a little bit. But I want to deal with a response that maybe many in our world today—probably not you all—but many in our world would say something like this: "Hey, thanks, Brian, um, but this is the ancient world. You're in ancient Egypt here, and now you're like, now you're in." Um, Ancient-ish Israel. These are the old ways. These are the barbaric ancient peoples that are doing these kinds of things. We don't do this anymore. We are modern. We are civilized. And we are an enlightened people. Okay? I just want to deal with that response here just for a second. Just to show you that the pattern that I see in the scriptures, I think also still bears out today. Let's just talk about slavery for a second, right? 21 to 45 million people estimated are in slavery in the world right now. There are more slaves in the world today than at any other point in human history. And half of those 21 to 45 million people in slavery, half of them are children. So violence is done 21 to 45 million people, half of them kids, violence is done to them so that the people who are holding them as slaves can self-promote. I gotta be about me. I gotta take care of me. I gotta get mine. I gotta lift myself, take care of myself. I gotta get more. Self-promotion results in violence to people and more often than not to kids. How about this? Abortion. Since 1973, when abortion was legalized, 64.5 million babies have been aborted. Just to do the math, that's about 1.3 million per year just in our country since 1973. And these are just the abortions that have been reported. Now, I do not know the motives behind every single parent who has decided to abort a baby. I don't know that. But I do believe that some or many of them were aborted with a motive to self-protect and self-promote. Let me explain that, right? Here's what self-protection might look like regarding someone who is pregnant. Them or their spouse, boyfriend, whatever, whatever. I've got to protect my lifestyle because I like how I'm living right now. I've got plans. I've got it all patterned out and it makes good sense and it looks good. A baby doesn't fit my plans and I've got my comfort that I've got to consider because a baby is an interruption in my comfort and I've got rights and every now and then I've got to assert my rights and just show the world that I can do what I want to do. And so... In a desire to self-protect our lifestyle our plans our comfort and our rights what do we do we do violence just like pharaoh just like herod just looks a little different but eerily the same or abortion also right um, can be motivated by self-promotion my success is so important maybe the most important thing in all of creation I can't have the burden of babies and kids weighing me down. I've got stuff to get, things to accumulate, mountains to climb. I've got a name and a brand to build. I can't have the burden of a child limiting and muting that very significant endeavor. And so in our desire to self-protect and self-promote, we act and as we said before very often violence is how we act slavery and abortion alive and well today in our modern seemingly as we would call it civilized society now let's just come back here to the room that was for the, that was for everybody out there who's not listening let's let's get back to us for a second Because none of us in the room would advocate for slavery, nor would we advocate for abortion. I just wanted to show us how this sentiment is alive and well in planet Earth. It's not an ancient barbarism. It's still sin in our hearts that's living the same patterns out. So what I want to do now is to move to apply this to us, this idea that when we self-protect and when we self-promote, we do violence to people, and particularly who bears the brunt of this is kids. I want to talk about that because I think in so doing, like what I ultimately want to see happen this morning is I want us to grow in our ability to value the things that God values. He values kids. He values babies. He's all in and he's all for them. But when we, I'm not talking about people out there promoting abortion and those out there who are propagating slavery, I'm just talking about us now, because I want this to get personal. This isn't a rally against everybody out there. This is a spirit of God. How do we understand this truth in your word and receive from you what, what we can do, how we can grow to lift and esteem and value the kids and the babies in our own lives, Right? Because the truth is, when we self-protect and when we self-promote, we also do violence to people, and kids regularly are the ones who are most often affected by that because they are the vulnerable, defenseless ones. Okay, biblical example number three, and this one's going to be more like a little closer to home for us, and then we'll linger here a little bit. Would you remember in the Gospels, um, Jesus is traveling around, going town to town. He's got his disciples, and his disciples are with him, and they're supposed to be learning and watching and right, walking in the way of Jesus. They're not doing it yet, but they're learning and they're growing. Well, it, at some point, there's this group of kids. I think it's in Matthew and Mark, I believe. Um, and this, like, th- these kids are trying to make their way to Jesus. Because they want to see Him. Because who doesn't want to be around Him? And kids, kids know what's good, and they know what's bad. And they want to be in the place where the coolest things are. Whether it's the bouncy house, the roller coaster, the cotton candy, or Jesus. They got a radar for good things. And so the kids are like, they, they're trying to get to Jesus. And then uh, the disciples are there in the vicinity. And you remember what the disciples are doing. Shoo, shoo, get, get out of here. Get out. The disciples are trying to keep the kids from getting to Jesus. Why are the disciples trying to get the kids out of here? If you've been paying attention yet, maybe their motive comes down to maybe one of the two things we've talked about. The disciples desire to self-protect and self-promote. Let's, let's just dig in here for a second. The disciples desire to self-protect. The disciples look out, they see Jesus, they see right, the cusp of what they are on, this kingdom that Jesus has come to usher in, and all the magnificence and the weightiness of that. And the disciples start thinking in their own brains about what's valuable and what's not, what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing, who we should be doing it with, and who we shouldn't be doing it with. And the disciples just have an eye to know that kids are not super valuable. If you're going to launch a kingdom, Jesus, don't, we don't have time for these kids. We don't have time. We've got adults all around us, and some of these adults are important, and some of them are less important. So let's manage our time, let's manage our schedule, and let's get Jesus in the proximity to the most adults, and then the most important adults that we can, because that's how this kingdom's going to erupt all over planet Earth. And so the disciples are protecting Jesus from what they deem to be of lesser value. Jesus doesn't have the emotional energy for kids because we've got to protect that. We've got to protect his emotional energy so we can hang out with the dignitaries and the importance. We've got to guard our time. And so the disciples, shoo, shoo, get, get, get out of here. The kids are coming around. They say to the kids, stop it. Leave Jesus alone. You can just like picture the disciples wagging their finger. You go away. Go to the cotton candy machine. Not here. Ah, we are busy. Jesus is busy. We don't have time for you. Now, that's not abortion. That's not slavery. That's not mass genocide. But what that is, it is violence. To a young child's heart. It's communicating something to them that will wound and injure them. Their desire to self protect is violence. Right? But the disciples are also, we, we know this, they've got a heart to self-promote. Not just themselves, but also Jesus. But as Jesus gets promoted, they think they're also getting promoted because the bigger his kingdom gets, the bigger their cabinet or their department in Department of the government gets, right? So they're, they're all about self promotion. We see that all over the gospels. But the disciples' heart to self promote, right? Kids are around Jesus, right? And they say, what? We, we've got important things to do, important people to see. We, right? We don't have time for you, kids. So in our desire to promote Jesus and promote ourselves, the kids are lingering and they say to the kids, stop! Leave us alone! Go away! We are busy We don't have time for you And what they're doing is violence to the young heart Now let's just, draw, let's just drive this in Maybe a little bit closer to our living room here for a second And everything I'm saying is not meant to shame us right? If anybody is speaking to anybody I got a big mirror right here And this is for me And it's for you right? Because here it is. It's in here. God's got some stuff for us. Let's just like, no shame, no guilt. It's just Jesus, cover me where I've messed up and bring me healing so that I can join you in valuing what you value, okay? We all there, right? Nobody's feeling guilty and you're like mad at me right now. We're, we're, We're over that. Jesus covers us and the Spirit heals us, that's that's what we're about this morning, okay? So we want to make sure we're all on the same page. You guys already know that. That's for the that's for the people that are new, okay? Now we also have a tendency, right, in our hearts to want to self defend. We defend ourselves. So here's an example that no one in the room can empathize with. This is for everybody outside, okay? Just kidding, right? So somebody at work is talking bad about you. Wah, 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 wah. They're just like they're just dry, They're dragging you down, and they're dragging your name through the mud all around the workplace, right? And you don't like that. And uh, and God's not going to protect you. He's doing other things. So you got to protect yourself. God doesn't advocate for you. He's not your shield and your defender. So you got to be. I got to be. We got to be our own shield and defense. And so, right, 6.30 in the evening, you're home from work, but you just can't stand it anymore, so you call somebody from work who knows about what's going on, and they're, they're aware of the situation. And right, you call them on the phone, you say, this is a paraphrase, they're wrong, and I'm right right and then you continue they're this way i'm really this way they said this this and this and this is really what i said and this is how they go about doing things and this is how i really go about doing things right and self defense mode is on like you are you are a free lawyer for yourself defending your own integrity and your own Honor. That's, that's what we're doing, okay? And you're just locked in, emotionally fixed on defending ourselves and writing the injustice of this person, talking about us. And meanwhile, as we're on the phone, we got like a little person, right? Picture the little ones that were up here in a year. We got these little ones tugging on our pant leg. I, I can't maintain balance here, right? They're just tugging, tug, 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 right? And in that moment, when we're self-defending... Self-protecting. God's not going to do it. I got to do it. The little ones are tugging at us. How do we respond to them? Well, I think I already said this, but I'll say it again just so we're on the same page. Hey, kid, stop it. Leave me alone. Go away. We, I, am busy. Don't have time for you now. Violence to a young heart. We self defend. We also are very busy sometimes self promoting because our dignity and our value are on the line in our performance. We don't receive our dignity and our worth and our value from God. We haven't learned how to do that yet, so we've got to live it out and display it for everybody so everybody in the world knows that we're glorious and they can celebrate us. So in a desire to honor our dignity and our value, we've got to perform. And in our desire to perform, we never stop, we never relent. We're always going, we're always pushing. More money, more power, more success. Gotta look better, we gotta win. No matter the cost. We will sacrifice whatever we need to so that we can lift ourselves. Because God isn't going to promote me. He's not looking out for my dignity and my value. He doesn't have a plan to lift me and elevate me in due season. He doesn't do that clearly. So I've got to do it on my own. It's a big responsibility, friends. Wow. And so meanwhile, while we're promoting ourselves in all the ways that we do, picture the little ones here we just saw a year from now. We're just working hard. We're sweating. We're laboring. They're just tug, tug, tugging on our pant leg right what do we do do we drop all the things we're doing and go play a game of catch do we toss them up in the air or teach them how to walk no that's not what we do what we do is we say stop it leave me alone go away I am busy here I don't have time for you and what that is is it is violence on a different level but still injurious it's hurtful violence to a young heart in our self protection and self-promotion meanwhile jesus is there among the disciples and among us saying something like this literally this is what the scriptures say that jesus said hey guys I'm going to add this. This isn't in the scriptures. Hey guys, chill out. Now this is really what the scriptures say. Let the little children come to me. Let them come. The the kingdom that I am here and I'm the king of it. The kingdom belongs to them. I am their king. I want to kick it with them. I want to do high fives. Let's go play a game. Hopscotch. I don't know what they did in the first century in Israel, but Jesus wanted to do it with them. The disciples didn't because they're self-protecting and they're self-promoting. But Jesus doesn't have to do that because Jesus knows that, well, regarding his own protection, he's outsourced that to the father. The father is his shield and his defender. Jesus doesn't have to labor for his own defense. Jesus also knows that regarding his promotion, and he's going to be sitting on a throne very shortly. First it will be the cross, then it will be, right, the ascension to the throne at the right hand of the Father. But Jesus knows that his promotion is in the hands of the Father, and it is the Father's sheer joy to promote Jesus in due season. And Jesus is going to entrust him to that. So Jesus is 100% free To engage with a full heart and open arms the babies and the kids who just want to be with him. So Jesus is there and the kids are tugging on their pant leg. And Jesus's response, game time. Let's do this. Let's hang. Let's kick it. Let's do something fun. Grandparents, how many grandparents in the room? I have heard so often in the last probably decade since I've had kids that like the stage of being a grandparent is like the best time in life grandparents is that true I've heard that over and over again and I I have I'm not a grandparent I hope to be one like 25 times over one day I think that's coming I don't know what it's like from my own lens but here's what I'm wondering in light of what we're talking about here Um, Because I I hear grandparents say that being a grandparent is better than being a parent. I heard that so many times. I wonder if that's true, because grandparents are to the place in life where they have lived and learned enough that they actually know what's valuable. I'm not saying all grandparents, because some grandparents are still knuckleheads. Yes? Yeah? Some are, right? Um, Not everyone who is older has matured in the years that they have been given. But I think that like grandparents to say, this is the best time in life. And being a grandparent is so cool. I wonder if it's because they they know what's valuable. And because at that stage in life, like the seasoned wise ones among us know that you don't have to self-defend that the father is defending you. Jesus is your advocate. You don't have to defend yourself. Emotional energy you need not spend on behalf of defending yourself. You're also free of self-promoting because you know that your dignity and your worth comes from the father. You don't have to labor to that end. So your heart is free and whole and open and when your heart is whole and free and open, you value what God values and when you see your grandkids you say hot dog, we've been given the greatest gift. Outside of Jesus, this is a gift and grandparents are free to engage in relationship with their grandkids in line with the gift that they are. And I think that's the invitation for all of us to catch that before we have grandkids. Right? If, you, if, if you're a young single person, well, if we could catch this now, that we've been relieved of the burden of protecting ourselves and promoting ourselves, we don't have to do that. Not only do we not have to do it, the Father says, please, just drop it because I'm on that for you. Yeah, you be responsible. Do the things well. Steward well the things I put in front of you. But I will defend you. I will protect you. And from that place, we've got a whole set of emotional energy and ability to focus now on what really matters. Right? Young, married people who are thinking about kids. Young families. Boy, the sooner we get this, and the more we would get this as a communal body, wow, what a freeing thing that would be. So band, come on up. We're going to sing a couple more songs here. And I think, just want to say, like, here is the call for us. Like, and that's why I say in the beginning, I don't think you knew we were going in this direction. Right? We're talking about babies and kids and how God values them. And as I read the scriptures, here's how we can honor and value them. What we can do is we can give up self-promoting and self-protecting release that to the father from there we are free to lay our lives down in loving service to the people around us and the little ones the least of these among us the little ankle biters as they're sometimes called who are invisible to us now become visible but not just visible they become valuable and deeply loved by us. And so now violence is not being done to the little ones, but blessing is. We're not injuring them, but we're actually seeking and joining the Lord and repairing and speaking wholeness and health into them. That's the kind of people that we want to be. We ready to be that, friends? Can we do it? Yeah? Well, you just agreed to come alongside these babies that we just dedicated, so you're already you're already in. You're already in. So the Lord is inviting us to stop protecting ourselves and defending ourselves, so that we can stop violating and violently engaging them, and step in and start loving them. Okay. One last thing before we head into worship. Um, Sarah, where are you? Come stand next to me. On the count of three, can we all say, hi, Sarah. One, two, three. Hi, Hi, Sarah. Did you guys know Sarah's getting married in August? Congratulations. Yeah. And um, so I'm going to talk about Sarah just for a second. Uh, Regarding Sarah, Sarah's been leading worship here for six, four, four or five years. Seems like an eternity. It's been so good. Four to five years. Sarah's been here among us, just pouring herself out, just serving, giving, laying herself down. There's a verse in Colossians 129. Uh, I actually marked the passage with... That was for me, but I brought another one for me, just in case. I beat her to the punch. Mm. Okay, Paul says this. "Uh, For this I... Thank you. Sometimes I feel nervous when I cry. I love it when you guys say it's okay. Love. Thank you. It's usually the brothers in the house. Love you guys. You guys know. You know lament. You've been there, right? Mm. Paul says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that powerfully works in me. Paul's got this sense of like the dynamism of Jesus it's like inside of him is an energy like electrical uh, like an electrical plant that like just works on behalf of people like Sarah when I look at you you're like you got that like uh, electrical dynamism of Jesus inside of you like Sarah typically has like 16 balls up in the air and all of them are pretty sizable and she's just like, she's just like slamming it. She's just nailing it. Like she's catching them, she's throwing them. So she's running from here to there. And she's teaching and she's like running plays and she's leading worship and she's like working part-time and like at a restaurant. She's like all over the place, planning a wedding, all the things, right? And she's got this like storehouse of energy that she just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring out. And I've, we've seen that in you for four or five years. Really cool. In um, this next season of Sarah and Randall. Hi, Randall. Sarah and Randall are getting married late August um, they Sarah's moving into a season of um, like peace and quiet and uh, in in order to do that like one of the steps that's going to be in line with that is they're going to start their lives together in a new church and we celebrate that like we we see the spirit of God in Sarah we trust him in her and we trust that the Lord is our shepherd and so our loss uh, is going to be the gain of another Body, um, but it's but I guess we excitedly send you out into the adventure that God has for you. And I can't believe I have to do this at another service. I don't want to do that again. Okay, so what I'm going to do? Right, I'm just going to pray. We're going to pray for Sarah, and uh, you'll be here next week, yeah. so you you can hug her. And I was going to say kiss. I don't know. <laughs> do whatever's appropriate. Kemp likes. It. Touch people in love Not all all of us are good at that right? Whatever you do Just love on Sarah This week, next week Um, I want to pray And then we'll we'll worship Father in heaven Thank you for Sarah Thank you for the call On her life God we honor um, Your word to her In this next season To rest And Father I pray That in this season That you would give her All of the rejuvenation That she needs That she would be Positioned in a place Of peace and quiet To hear your voice And to receive all That you have for her Father, we also know that uh, there's a call on her life for the sake of your body and your people. God, you made her with a dynamism inside. Your spirit animates and energizes her. You made her to do things in the body to serve. And so, Father, at the right time, we trust that you will release that and open that and make a way for her to do what you have this call that you've put on her life. And Sarah, trust you. We trust you. You're the good shepherd of the sheep. And so, God, we just eagerly look forward to seeing how you're going to play this thing out in the years to come. And we do pray for a lot of kids, a lot of little ankle biters, uh, that when they bite on Sarah's ankle, that she just drops whatever she's doing and just wraps them up. Because that's what she knows that you have freed her up to do. That's in Jesus' name.